Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this roundup of the past week of fake news. The midterms are less than two weeks away, and the stage is set for one of the epic showdowns of history. But this showdown, I would not say, is Democrats versus Republicans. No, instead, it's this time it's Democrats versus the children. The Democratic Party and their allies in the media, they've been trying to destroy our children all year long. And I would say that's been the major theme of 2022. And that's what I want to talk about today. The Democrats versus the children. Our children. Your children. On November 8th, America has a choice. Do you like transgender surgeries on kids? Do you like the mutilation of healthy children? Do you like children being ripped apart in the womb? Do you like forcing kids to get a COVID vaccine shot when when the shot itself poses a higher risk to them than the COVID that it doesn't even prevent? I mean, do you like that, America? Because you get a chance to choose... What you want more of in just a couple of weeks? Uh, do you like inflation? Do you want more inflation? I guess we're going to find out. Do, do you like these insane crime rates in the major cities? Do you like increased murder? Do you like first graders learning sex ed in school? I mean, if you like all that stuff, <laughs> vote Democrat on November 8th. And then go check yourself into a mental hospital. You know, as I said, the theme this year, it's been what Democrats are trying to do with our children. And so that's really what I want to talk about today. And, and we'll just start with Stacey Abrams. So she's the Georgia candidate for governor. She's running against uh, Brian Kemp. I think he's the current governor and he's going for his his second term. Uh, Stacey Abrams is trying to win against him again. And um, she was on an interview here recently. And she has this great idea for how to fight inflation to kill your kid. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are... You know, finally, after two years of having complete control of the economy and no idea what to do with it, now a Democrat has finally stepped forward with a plan to get these skyrocketing prices under control. She says, just have an abortion. Just have an abortion. That's all it is. That'll, that'll get the prices under control. And she's not the only one, okay? Yahoo News, and this was an, a headline they put up on October the 9th. It said, America is facing a diaper crisis, and the anti-abortion movement is making it worse. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm laughing at that. It's just so horrible. They're, they're saying diapers are too expensive, so we need to kill some more kids so we can get this diaper issue under control. Okay, supply and demand, people, supply and demand. Well, that's your media, folks. They they have the same talking points, you might notice, as the Democrat Party, um, because they are all just Democrats, you know, every last one of them. That's all they are. And all they do is is try to promote the same agenda that any Democrat politician is going to go out there and push. And And look at what they're saying. I mean, to kill kids... Because diapers are too expensive. Because the stuff on the shelves is too expensive. We need, we need to kill more babies because of that. I mean, these, these, these disgusting people, they drive the prices up with their own economic policies. 
And then instead of taking responsibility for it, then they blame the babies for making it worse. They blame babies for the price of eggs at the grocery store. They don't just blame babies. They, they blame the unborn babies. The Democrats blame babies who are still inside the womb for the economic problems that they caused. And then what's their solution to the problem? Well, you kill the babies. Um, I, I got to say, I just can't wrap my mind around people who don't really see who the bad guys are in this scenario. I mean, when your solution to every problem is just to kill more babies, I'm like, how? I don't get it. How do people not realize who the bad guys are? This, I think, this is a fight of good and evil in this country. I, I don't know if I actually, actually, I don't know if I want to say that because the the Republicans disappoint me a lot on their own. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, generally speaking, at least the Republicans don't want to kill babies. They got that going for them. But all the Democrats do 100% of the time. There's no pro-life Democrat out there. They all want to kill the babies. I don't know. I just can't wrap my mind around people who look at these two parties and they can't figure out which is the evil one. Okay? <laughs> which is the one that's being controlled by the devil. It, you know, it's the one that wants to kill babies. How does it get any clearer than that? <laughs> I don't. I, I just get confused by people. They, they think, oh, both parties are equally bad. Well, I mean, Republicans have a lot of problems. Okay, yeah, sure. Donald Trump cheated on his wives. Yeah, that's true. Um, But he got abortion overturned. Well, he got Roe versus Wade overturned, technically. And then in many states, abortion is no longer legal. Big victory for pro-life. I don't get, I, don't, I just don't, I don't understand these people who say, there's just kind of like this moral equivalence in the parties. Is it not obvious to everyone who the bad guys are? And then there's more. Okay, there's more. Because you'd think that if you survived the battlefield of the womb and, and actually made it to the outside and started breathing air and, and walking on God's green earth, you'd think they'd leave you alone then. But no. Then the Democrats immediately start trying to corrupt your young mind as young as they possibly can. Uh, like, what's the deal with this drag queen story hour thing that they're doing? I need someone, you know, if you're listening, if, you, if you're if you in favor, if you or if you just at least understand it, please explain it to me. Write it down. Type it. T- send us an email. It's in the show notes where you can send it. Send us an email and please explain this to me. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get, I don't understand the desire to take your kids to see drag queens. I don't understand why there's this big defense of it. And yet people, when they defend it, they just say, well, this is, this is, they just call it beautiful and they call it, um, brave and, and all this kind of stuff that men want to dress up as a caricature of a woman and then dance around, you know, they, they just want to say that it's this profound or honorable thing, but they don't explain why. Could someone please just write in and explain why? Cause I, I don't, I don't know if it's that I want to understand, but I want to, I, I guess I just want to know. I want to know where people are coming from. Why do they want to go watch this? Why do they want to go watch a guy in a thong dance around? And why do they want to take their kids to it? You know, I guess there's, I guess there's always been these drag Queens. Maybe they, 
Maybe this went on in strip clubs or, or gay bars or something 10 or 20 years ago. For all I know. I have no idea. I'm thinking if a drag show was going on anywhere, that is probably in a place for people 21 and up. Okay? It's, it's weird, but at least then it's out of society's face. But what do we have going on now? Well, the liberals have been inviting drag queens to public schools and to libraries, for, especially in the past year this has exploded. They want these people to dance for kids and, and read books to toddlers. And I'm just like, why? Like, someone just explain it to me. Like, why do you feel the need to take your kid to have a man dressed like a woman read them a story or put on a striptease? Why do you feel like your kid needs to see that? And I'm talking little kids. They'll do it with kids who are four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Why? Why are there bars out there nowadays hosting all ages drag shows? I'm like, since when are all ages even allowed in a bar? I thought that wasn't even legal, but no one seems to be calling them on it. I, they say it's okay if it's gay. It doesn't make sense. This this is not making sense. And the drag queens aren't enough. Now, they, they also want to teach sexual education to kindergartners, to first and second graders. I remember warning people, you know, California started doing this. They introduced sex ed for kindergarten. They did this like five or ten years ago. And I told people, I was like, hey, this is going to be everywhere before long because it starts in California and it starts over there on the East Coast. And within five or ten years, it's worked its way into the middle of the country and then and then it's everywhere. So I remember telling people, and, and now it is. Now it's everywhere. You hear schools all over, even right here in the Midwest where I am. They're teaching sexual education to kids in elementary school. Like, why do they want, why do Democrats want six-year-olds to be learning about sex in school? Why do they feel like that's important? They'll say this vague stuff like, well, you know, kids are having sexual experiences at younger and younger ages. Um, or do we want to encourage that, though? Like, you, you know, you teach sexual stuff to six, six-year-olds, you're going to see them acting on those things at younger ages than if they would have just learned about it when they were older, like a normal kid. Like, it used to be normal, how it used to be. Like, is that necessarily a good thing that they're having these <laughs> sexual experiences? Or does teaching them about sex encourage those younger and younger sexual experiences? I think the answer to that seems kind of obvious to me. Doesn't does it make sense to me why people want to force this on children? Earlier this year, uh, Florida, they did a, I, I guess I'll call it a brave thing because it's more than any other state is doing. They banned sex ed for third grade and below. I think that's what, or maybe a second grade and below is like third or fourth grade. If you're less than that, then you're, they don't, they don't let the schools teach sex ed to those kids. And this created a huge controversy Across the whole nation, the media dubbed this the don't say gay bill. And of course, the bill said nothing like that, but that was the Democrat talking point. So the media ran with it and everyone called it the don't. I can't even remember what the real name was because everybody just called it the don't say gay bill, which was a total misnomer, had nothing to do with what the the bill was all about. And this created a controversy because everyone was mad. Well, not everyone. The Democrats were mad. The Democrats were furious. That in one out of 50 states, there was one of them that said, you can't teach sex ed to second graders. And the whole nation lost its mind. It's interesting that whenever you tell teachers that they can't teach first graders about sex, they say that that's an attack on gay people. 
Isn't that kind of interesting? Because I don't see it as an attack on gay people. Um, from what I could tell, the law had nothing to do with gay people. It said you can't teach sexuality to little elementary school kids. So that applies to gay or straight, you know. <laughs> as far as I know, straight people are pretty much totally cool with not talking about sexuality to little kids. But the gay community took this as a personal attack. W would someone like to come on here and explain why? I would just, I would really like to know. I need someone to write a long email and explain all this stuff to me. Why is that an attack on the gay community that nobody is allowed to talk about sex to little kids? Why is that specifically to Democrats? Why is that an attack on the gay community? It's the Democrats who are making that argument in the first place. I just want to know the justification. Why is telling teachers that they can't talk to little kids about sex an attack on gay people? And we're seeing repercussions of this indoctrination that these perverts are doing to children. We're, we're already seeing the ramifications just uh, in the past week or two in Indiana. So here in the middle of the country, over right over in Indiana, a parent just lost their rights to their child because they would not affirm their child's chosen gender identity. The parents said, no, our child is, is their biological gender. And when that happened, when the parents refused to budge on that, the state took their child away. Now, who is that for? Because that's not good for the kid. It's not good for the parents. It's not good for society. But it's good for the Democrats. Because what do we see them doing? They want to use sexuality to drive a wedge between parents and their children. That's why they're trying to get to the kids in the schools where the kids are separated off from their parents and they can tell the kids whatever they want and they want the legal freedom to do that. They are sick, depraved people. Is that what you want to vote for in a couple weeks, America? Is that what you want more of? I know the Republicans are not the answer to all of your problems. I know the Republicans have problems of their own. But is it anywhere near on the level of what the Democrats are doing to our kids? And for the kids, if they survive the womb, and then if they can survive grade school without these ghoulish liberals getting their arms around them, now the Democrats want to make some money off of the kids with a vaccine. Because, you know, every time someone gets one of these, what what is the so-called free COVID vaccine shots or, or the booster shots, they say it's free, but every time it happens, another $100 goes into Pfizer's pocket. And what's that paid for with? It's paid for with our tax dollars. So every time someone gets one of those shots and, and the government calls it free, no, they're taking the taxpayer money, our money, and they're giving it to Pfizer. And then Pfizer turns around and they dump money into the, the campaigns of Democrats who then try to enforce that the public has to receive more of their shots. So all that money keeps going back into Pfizer. Or it goes from you to the government, to Pfizer, to the Democrats. It's a big money laundering scheme. That's all it is. And now they want to enforce it on the kids. And Pfizer just raised their rates on the shots too. <laughs> not, 
Not, you know, not to, to, they'll say to you that it's free. In reality, the government's taking your money and giving it to them. It's all a big money laundering scheme. And so now they're wanting to enforce this on the kids. They want to make your kids get a COVID vaccine shot to go to school. This past week, the CDC voted unanimously to put the COVID vaccine on the list of mandated shots that you have to get to send your kid to public school. McNally, no conflict, yes. Thank you. Dr. Bell? Bell, no conflict, yes. Thank you. Dr. Lair? Lair, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Ms. Bata? Bata, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Dr. Brooks? Oliver Brooks, no conflicts, yes. It was unanimous, people. (laughs) Like it was 15 or 16 of them. All of them voted for this. And what what do we know by now about the COVID shot, the vaccine shot, I should say? It doesn't prevent transmission of COVID. It doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. They they say that it makes your COVID case lighter if you've had the the vaccine booster and all that. I have my doubts about that. But it doesn't stop you from getting COVID. And, And COVID, if you're a kid... COVID is hardly dangerous to children in the first place. The rate of kids passing away from COVID is extremely rare. It's extremely low. The rate is low. It's rare that it happens that a kid dies from this. The younger you are, though, um, the younger you are, the more likely you are to be fine if you get COVID. But if you get this vaccine, there's tons of stories out there of people getting blood clots and aneurysms and heart problems after they got the COVID vaccine. And the younger you are, the more likely that you're going to develop these blood and heart issues after getting the vaccine. So for a lot of young people, it's more dangerous to deal with the myocarditis than it would have been if they had just got COVID. And now the Democrats want to force your kids to get a vaccine for a sickness that doesn't stop the virus anyway, and it is not lethal whatsoever to children, but it will increase their risk of myocarditis. And this gets more money from the taxpayers over to Pfizer, which they turn around and dump into the accounts of Democrats. And yet some people still can't figure out who are the bad guys in this scenario. It's all the people making money off of injecting stuff into your body and your kid's body. They are the bad guys. And let's not forget to mention the transgender surgeries. That these have been enacted by medical institutes all over the place. You know, it was less than a year ago. They were denying that they were even performing sex change operations on children. They aren't denying it anymore. Now they openly admit it and they brag about it. And every time someone gets hooked into this transgender thing and they have to go get the surgeries and the government pays for it, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, go into the pockets of these medical institutions. They they cut up people's bodies, including children, and they get rich off of it. Less than a year ago, they were denying that they were doing it. Now they they put it on their websites and brag about it. So let me just ask you, America, between the transgender surgeries and the forced COVID vaccinations and blaming all of our problems on the babies before killing them in the womb, why do some people still have trouble figuring out who the bad guys are? Well, I'm, I'm sorry for the delay in getting a new episode out to everybody. Um, 
I've been just I've been through a really busy time the past few weeks. Like I think I got an episode out at the beginning of October, and now it's been a few weeks, and I'm I'm tired. I probably shouldn't be recording this, but I'm I mean I'm tired. But I'm like you know it has been weeks, and I haven't uploaded a new fake news, and I love doing fake news honestly. But it's so I got a new job, and I'll go into the whole story about that sometime. But I got a new job, and I'm still working in. Um, I was what I was doing before is working in ministry, and I'm still doing that, and I'm still working in I'm working in media, and um, I'll go into the whole story sometime. But anyway, uh, we're starting a new job. I've been, you know, I think I've been a little bit um, extra tired, and and not only that, um, I've been building fence every day for the past few weeks and digging. Uh, well, this is not a normal part of my job description. It's just at the place that hired me. They happen to need a fence built right now. And so I'm out there building a fence every day and like digging holes, putting posts in, filling up holes, driving posts, unspooling barbed wire. I've been doing a lot and it's been wearing me out. And so I haven't got a new show out and I, I want to try to get back in the routine, but I'm going to tell you, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm going to have to move soon too um, before long. You know, hopefully surely by the end of the year we'll be moving. And so that'll probably slow down my, production schedule of fake news. And so I want to stay on top of it. Um, the thing with this show, it's, it's a current events focused show. So I can't like do, I can't do a program far out ahead. You know, I can't like schedule stuff on my other podcast, the Bible study podcast. Like I have programs on that built up through December. Cause you can work ahead on that. It's not time sensitive, but on this one, um, I want to talk about current events. And so I, and I love talking about current events, but I've just been too dog tired lately. So <laughs> I hope to get back to it before long. Uh, I do. I keep thinking about this verse. It's from Romans chapter seven in the Bible, and the and Paul is is the author of that book. And he says, "For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but do the very thing I hate." <laughs> I'm like, you know, I want to do fake news. But I can't do the thing I want to do. I keep doing the thing I don't want to do, which is um, digging holes and, and all that stuff. Which I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have a job. I'm 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 actually am enjoying enjoying what I'm doing. But uh, I, the thing I want most want to do is is have time to sit down and record a good quality fake news program, and I can't do that. So I don't have internet where I'm living, and so I'm very limited on what I can accomplish. And so anyway, enough whining from me. I'm just kind of updating you there on my life. Um, there, There is something I do want to do, and now I will do it. And what I want to do here is pause for a message from our president. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. Made in America. So this happened a couple weeks ago. He's given a speech and President Biden said two words made in America. So our president can't count. <laughs> but actually what I wanted to most point out here, um, Colorado Representative Lauren Boebert, uh, she, <laughs> she replied to this. She says on Twitter, two words, let's go Brandon. <laughs> what I love is that there was a bunch of Democrats who tried to harass her about this. 
and uh, on back like replying on Twitter, and they didn't realize she was making fun of Biden. So like David Hogg, he's he replies three words: "You're an idiot." Chip Franklin is Lauren Boebert dumb as dirt or just unable to count? Representative Casey Weinstein, that's three words. George Takei, she can't count. Uh, John Cooper, who's a not the singer, but the Democratic like speechwriter or whatever. Lauren Boebert just completely humiliated herself, tweeting two words. Let's go, Brandon. That's three words. She's such a friggin' moron. Senator Gary Farmer, check me if I'm wrong, Scotty, but I'm pretty sure that that's three words, not two. <laughs> like it just went, it just went on. Amy Siskin, I'm just here for the ratio. All these people, you know, jumped on board to harp on Lauren Boebert for not knowing how to count two two words. Not even realizing all that they were saying actually applies to our president. <laughs> the, the the man that they voted for, for president. That's who the two words joke was in reference to. So anyway, um, I don't know if I, it would have been kind of funny if they, to, to see their reaction. But like I said, I don't have internet right now. I can't always track all this stuff down to see if they like, they later apologize. I know they didn't apologize, but if they later admitted that they were wrong or whatever, Sure, they didn't. Um, now, listen, I haven't had a show for a few weeks, like I said. So the the clips of message from our president, instead of me being able to do these like in all a bunch of different episodes, they've kind of been building up. So I got to run through a couple more. And this next one is really disturbing because the president here, he's discussing his son who died, uh, his son, Bo. Um, but as he's talking about it, he gets Bo's death, like his cause of death, he gets it wrong. I say this as a father of a man who won the Broad Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. This is so bizarre. And I mean, this is one of those things. It's kind of like when he finishes a speech and he goes to shake a hand with a ghost. Like he shakes hands with someone who's not there. You know, that creepy thing that he does sometimes. And it's like, uh-oh, maybe this is not so funny anymore. Like the dementia stuff. Maybe it's not so funny now. Like maybe it's actually... It's a little bit troubling that this guy has so much power and uh, just kind of wanders around and has no idea where he is. And and this is one of those moments. He said Bo died in Iraq, but that's not how Bo died. Bo died of, he had like a brain tumor or some kind of cancer, but he died in the States. Um, he had previously served in the military in Iraq, but he, he hadn't, he had not been there for a long time whenever he died. So why is Biden saying here, that he lost his life in Iraq. It's just one of those things. It's like, is he is he lying, or does he is he really that far gone that he doesn't remember how his own son died? You know, it's and I don't know the answer to that. I don't. He lies all the time. He lies constantly. But would he lie about something that was so blatantly incorrect that everyone knows this is not true? Would he do that on purpose? He doesn't sound like he's trying to lie. But who knows? Who knows what's going on in his head? And then that brings me to my next clip, which I don't even have any comments on because it's just nonsense. I married up. I was one of those guys that my whole life I've been surrounded by women who've taken care of me, maybe they're smarter than I am. My younger sister used to be three years younger than me. Now she's 23 years younger. There's not a single solitary Biden man that is younger than any Biden woman. Yeah, like I said, I don't even know what's going on in that clip. Um I'd say this, the Bible says, you know, one has the gift of tongues 
and another has the gift of interpretation of tongues. So, <laughs> so our president clearly has the tongues gift. So someone with the interpretation gift, they need to get on that. All right, before we go, let's talk about what's racist for this week. Everything is racist. So uh, the, for this first one, I got three or four of them for you today. For the first one here, opposing pornography in schools is racist. Uh, and, and when you say, where is pornography in schools? Well, as I was saying, the Democrats are after our kids and they're using the public school system to do it. They're not just bringing drag queens into the school to perform sexual dances for children. Uh, they they put extremely pornographic books, which there's just no other word for it. I mean, it's sexually explicit material in a lot of times in picture form. And they're putting this in front of kids and they're calling this teaching them about LGBT lifestyles and stuff. But they can't seem to do that without being <laughs> very graphic in how that they do so. So uh, there, anyway, this has been going on in schools across the country, uh, which you're probably aware of if you're paying attention to, if you're paying attention to what you should be paying attention to, which is not CNN, uh, but looking for people who tell you the truth. Well, there are a group of, of Muslim parents up in Dearborn, Michigan, and they showed up at a school board school board meeting to complain that they don't want their children being taught gay pornography in schools. And so they <laughs> listen to this headline from the Atlantic. Okay, I said all that to build up. Here's the headline from the Atlantic, okay? The evolution of white supremacy. And then here's the subhead. In Dearborn, Michigan, Muslim parents who oppose teaching pornography to children become the new face of the far right. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're a Muslim who opposes teaching this gay smut or opposes, opposes having it taught to your kids, you're now the face of the far right and you're a white supremacist. <laughs> so to, here's what we're learning from this, how meaningless these words that the Democrats use are. They, they use these slurs. They use these insults. They call you a white supremacist. This is how little their their own words actually mean. It doesn't matter what your skin color is to a Democrat. If you oppose their agenda, they just label you a white supremacist. You can be a Muslim in Michigan. Or you can be a Hispanic person. Um, for another one from the Atlantic. Enough with Latino anti-blackness. Latinos' racism can still affirm white supremacy. And this is a opinion piece here in the Atlantic, although you can't really tell their opinion from their objective news because they don't have objective news, but uh, you can be a Latino, a Latino person if you're, if you're anti-black, whatever that means to them, they say you're still a white supremacist. You can be a Latino white supremacist. You can be a Muslim white supremacist. Words mean nothing to these people. Over at the New York Times, one of their opinion writers, Charles Blow, he says, as the U.S. becomes less white, white supremacy could simply be replaced by a form of light supremacy, where fairer-skinned people per perpetuate a modified anti-blackness rather than eliminating it, writes Charles Blow. So to, to the Democrats here at the New York Times and at the Atlantic, if you're a Latino person, if you, don't, if you are and you don't toe the party line with the Democrats— then they're going to call you a white supremacist or, as Charles Blow coined it, a light supremacist. Where if you don't go along with their agenda on their political stuff, 
you're just a white supremacist, no matter what your actual skin color is. Words have no meaning to these people. Here's one from this guy. This is a black dude on Twitter. His name's Kyle J. Howard. And this is a, this is a legitimately racist person. Um, I mean, he's racist against like white people and stuff like that. But he's considered one of the, I don't know, liberal Christian thought leaders over there on the Twitters. Um, and he wants you to know that being on time is racist. A few days ago, he tweets out, Hey, white people, it is totally okay to be 30 minutes late to a BIPOC birthday party. BIPOC is just one of their stupid made-up words that means non-white people. So anyway, he says it's okay to be 30 minutes late to a non-white person's birthday party. How how freaking old are you that you're still having birthday parties, Kyle Howard? Okay. Showing up exactly on time actually stresses us out because we are likely rushing and doing a lot of last-minute things. We don't have time... We don't navigate time the same way that you all do. So Kyle Howard wants us to know, and this is not just some random guy on Twitter. Again, this is like one of those frequently retweeted liberal thought leaders over there. He says, don't show up on time to a black person's birthday party because that stresses them out. And they don't think about time the same way everyone else does. This is actually not the first time I've heard about this. Um, When they say that being on time is a white people thing because back in 2020 during the whole black lives matter fiasco, the one of the Smithsonian institutions over there in, I think in Washington, DC, one of them, and it was like the air and space museum. It was something that had nothing to do with <laughs> racial issues, but anyway, they put up a sign anyway, talking about all kinds of things that white people don't realize are just white people things and that we shouldn't expect black people to do it too. And one of the things they put on there was showing up places on time. Like, this is what our government was putting out back in 2020, and they're still saying it. So I I guess there's some Democrats who just want you to believe that black people are incapable um, of being responsible with their time. And apparently there's a lot of black people who want to say that, too. Now, I would say this for me. I don't sit around defining my culture by my skin color, Okay. Now, I, I guess I could say there is a like a white culture. Um, yeah, if, I mean, if we're going to say there's a black culture and an Asian culture and a Latino culture and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. Well, I guess by that logic, we could say there's a white culture. Like, I don't really think of it that way. Um, I guess there's nothing wrong with it, though, if you do. I mean, I don't, if, if we're going to define cultures by other colors, might as well do one with white. But... Here's the problem with that. Like, again, I don't, I don't really say like white culture and all that stuff, but, not, but there's a lot of people who do. Well, here's the problem with that, though. If you, if you then say when someone identifies certain behaviors or whatever as, as being part of white culture, if you say there's anything better about it, if you say there's something better about a white culture thing, like showing up on time to places, if you say that's better, well, now you're a white supremacist. Because you're saying the way that white people do something is better than other, the way other people do something. And being white, of course, in this culture, it's the only skin color that you're just never allowed to say anything good about. But here's, here's the thing I want to say about that. When you take something that's just a normal, like, good quality to have, okay, something like showing up to places on time, 
when you take that and then you try to say that's just a white people thing, well, now, by doing that, I'd say you've insulted all the other races. Because I don't think showing up on time is just a white people thing. I think it's a principle of success, okay? <laughs> like, it's a thing you need to do to be successful in life, uh, to have a job. If you don't want to show up to your job on time, eventually you're going to lose your job. You're going to be, if you have a business, if you're, say you own your business, you provide some kind of service to other people, but you don't show up to their house to do that thing at the time you say you're going to, well, people are going to stop hiring you. So showing up on time, I, I don't see it as a white thing. I just see it as a, something successful people do. People who want to win at life, okay? But then you have like Kyle Howard or the Smithsonian Institution and they come out and they want to say that, no, no, that's just something white people do. And it wasn't just that. It was all kinds of good. I mean, it was like, they'd say objective reasoning, logical thinking. They would say those are just white people things. <laughs> like what? You're saying non-white people can't engage in objective reasoning? Like, that's just something that people do to think straight, to be successful in life. <laughs> Whenever you try to slap a skin color on it, you're just diminishing it because it's not about a skin color. Except to Democrats. To them, everything is about skin color. So they take something good like logical reasoning or being punctual, and they want to say it's a white people thing. And now whenever you do that, when you, you know, if you say it's good to show up on time, now they call you a white supremacist because you're saying that the white way of doing something is is better. So, you know, I don't want to define something like that as a white thing, but that's what they want to do. And it's so counterproductive. So I'm going to, and I want to say this too. I just got to point this out to you. Okay. If you're one of those people who complains about equity and you say, you know, black people that they have less money than white people. And so this is a problem that we need to fix in society. Then, okay. Then let me just point this out to you. I just have a question about that. So could there be problems in black culture that prevent them from being as successful as the people in white culture. Okay, I think that's a fair question. If you're going to say that there's a black culture and a white culture and an Asian culture and so on and so forth, and then complain about equity when the black culture, when the people in the what you call the black culture, when they don't do as well in life, and you say we need equity, we need to redistribute the wealth and all that. Well, before we do that, let me just ask. Could there be problems in the black culture? that are preventing them from being as successful as the people in white culture? I think that's a fair question. Okay. Um, because there are, I mean, there is a, the Democrats say there's a black culture. I, I guess we could say there's there's a way that black people have of doing things that's different from a lot of white people. Okay. You know, I, we can admit that. There's things of people in all different races that they like to do things differently. But are there things about the black culture like when we look at the rates of fatherlessness in the black culture, the lack of emphasis that they put on studying and doing your homework or <laughs> that they want to not, I'm not saying this about all of them, but I, apparently they say that, that they shouldn't be expected to show up on time to places because that's not their culture. Okay. Well, is all that stuff going to contribute to them having a harder time being successful in life? So I'd say that's a fair question.
And if someone out there wants to answer it, I mean, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to be hateful here. I'm just, you know, there are discrepancies in society. And people want to blame it on civil rights 50 years ago, or they want to blame it on slavery 150 years ago. And I'm like, well, are there things today that could change? That they would need to change? You know, maybe instead of the, having the high rates of fatherlessness, what if they started, all the dads started staying with their kids and raising their kids and taking care of their families? Could that do something a little different in these in the in the so-called black culture? Could that make a change for them for the better? I'd say that's a fair question. Um, okay, so before we go today, a little bit shorter program today, but like I said, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. So uh, I just want to close down with this little piece of information. Uh, there's an election coming, okay? It's about two weeks away now. Not even that, honestly. It's, it's like a week and a half at this point. Tuesday... November the 8th. Get out there and vote. Okay? And I'm going to say this. Don't listen to the polls. Because so many polls lie. The election is coming. Don't listen to the polls. Get out there and vote. What are the polls telling us? Well, I so I went on October the 19th. Okay? I screenshotted this. Because I, I feel like these polls are very dishonest. I mean, the, hey, the, we're all going to know in a couple of weeks how true they were. But I feel like these polls are pretty dishonest. So what the polls are telling me are that uh, 538 is saying Republicans are going to win the House. And I, I feel like that's a sure thing, that Republicans will win the House. But they're saying Democrats are going to win the Senate. Now, I actually, I, I have a screenshot here from them saying that on October 19th. I think they're being dishonest. I think Republicans are going to win the Senate. So we'll see who's right. We'll see if it's these polls on 538.com or if it's what I'm telling you. But I, I'm pretty I'm pretty positive the Republicans are going to sweep it all. So anyway, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another two years of a 50-50 Senate. But I think the Republicans are going to pull it out. I think they're going to win. Something kind of funny is that uh, Ron DeSantis, he shared this, <laughs> this poll that was put out. Um... Two weeks before the midterms in 2018. Okay, so four years ago. And there was a poll going on in Florida over who was going to be elected governor. All right. This was a CNN poll. And according to the CNN poll, Andrew Gillum was going to win 54% of the vote in that race for governor. And Ron DeSantis was only going to get 42% of the vote. So that's what that's what they were saying over at CNN two weeks before the midterms, 54 to 42, well outside margin of error. They had Andrew Gillum running away with that election. And then, as history shows, Ron DeSantis won (laughs) a few months later. Andrew Gillum's being pulled off of a hotel room with like a gay prostitute and all drugged up, (laughs) having 911 called in the middle of the night. It. it And Ron DeSantis was the governor of Florida. So don't listen to what these polls say. The polls lie. There's only one poll that matters, and that's going to be the poll on November the 8th that you participate in. So make sure you get out there and make your voice heard. Vote if you want to stop seeing the inflation, and if you want to stop seeing the high gas prices, and if you want to stop seeing the Democrats try to corrupt your children, 
then get out there and make your voice heard. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor. And by the way, if anyone tells you that Let's Go Brandon is three words, that's just fake news. Okay.